Let's pray. Um, as, you're, uh, as we're praying, if you want to turn uh, to 1 John right before we pray, 1 John chapter 5, and then I'll pray for our time in the scripture. First John chapter 5. First John's all about blessed assurance. So let's come before the Lord and pray and ask for his help as we enter in. Father God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, that it's in Christ alone that we stand. And there's no other, there's no much, no glorious news like that in all the world. That Christ is our Savior, He's our King, He's our Lord, He is the one that we stand in, and there is no hope apart from Him, but in Him there's plentiful redemption. In Him we have hope, we have redemption, we have help, and we thank You, Lord God, that it is Christ who is the one who grants assurance. He's the one who, who assures us and brings us into the family of God by His life and His death. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that we get to sit under it every week. And I pray, Father, that as the word is proclaimed, Lord, that you would, would, would bring it in power and in conviction and in help and encouragement, that it would be like a balm on our souls, that it would be like truth to stab us awake to the realities of who you are and your goodness. And we thank you that Christ is our hope and stay, that he is our king and our Lord. And we thank you that you sent him to earth on a divine rescue mission to save sinners, among whom were chief. And Father, there is nothing that we bring to the table, Lord God, that would make us deserving of salvation or that would make us merit heaven or assurance. It is something that Jesus brings. It is something that he accomplished. And it is something that he reminds us all throughout the pages of scripture that there is no hope anywhere else to be found in all the world. But he is the greatest hope. And he is the greatest help. And so I pray that your spirit would be upon us all, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts and that as we get into your word, that it would be like life-giving truth just injected into our souls and that we would be encouraged and helped by this word. And I have a, such a burden for it, Lord. And I just pray, God, that, that nothing would hinder your word today, that you would do the work for which you have designed it, for your word will not come back void, but may you send it with your spirit like truth into our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to be talking about blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And sometimes we think about the doctrine of assurance and we're confused about it, what it means. And really, in essence, it, it means how you know that you know you're a Christian. And maybe some of us walked in here today and we're like, I... I don't know if something real is actually going on inside of me. Like, is, is the Christianity I'm experiencing real? Do I really know God truly deeply within? 
Is Jesus my Lord? Am I a part of the family of God? Are the treasures and blessings of the gospel actually mine? And 1 John is all about getting at that. John is fired up about helping his people who at that time were experiencing all sorts of false teaching arising within the church about who Jesus was, about living a holy life, and about loving people. And they were just denying core truths. And a good segment of the church was departing the faith. And so naturally, people were wondering, you know, well, do we have the real gospel? I mean, they're saying there's another gospel. There's another Jesus. And so I know this is a very real question, both because we can have doubts, real doubts. I mean, we can come into church and actually feel like, I'm excited to be here, but deep in our hearts, we're not in touch with the reality. We're not in touch with the God we sing to, and we worship, and we praise. And John is wanting to help us navigate the waters of how we know that we're the real deal. And he wants to expose false faith and those who are not believers, not truly trusting in Christ, who would hear the judgment of Jesus. I never knew you. You didn't know me at the end of the day. And he wants to encourage real believers who've trusted in Christ, who may be kind of vacillating. And when we think about assurance, there are all sorts of false teachings about the assurance of salvation in the world today. You've got some people who will tell you it's ridiculous that you could actually say you know you're saved. They, they would teach that that's the height of presumption. I mean, are you really going to say that you know for sure you're going to go to heaven? How arrogant. In fact, that's what the Catholic Church teaches in their catechism, that you can't really know. And you just got to do the best you can and hope for the best. And that is not what John teaches. Beloved, I write these things so that you may know is the kind of talk he, he brings. And then there's other folks who, who have a bold profession of faith, but they live like hell. I mean, they're just all about trumpeting the Christian flag. They've got the bumper sticker. They've got the logo. They've got the little fish, all that stuff. But they live like pagans. In fact, a, a recent, or it's not a recent survey, but a few years back, they did a survey in America about people who actually claim to be born again. And um, it said basically that the, the net of it all was that 50% of Americans claim to be Christian, born again Christians, but live no different than anybody else in the world for the most part. And that statistic is pastorally troubling because if you're born again, there's something real going on inside you that's changing your life. So it tells me that you can actually say you're a Christian, 
you can actually affirm all of the doctrine, sign the dotted line, you've prayed the prayer, you've went forward, you've got the baptism, you've got all the trinkets, but you're dead inside, spiritually. And John would say, they went out from us, these kind of Christians, they went out from us because they really were never of us. For had they been of us, they would have continued with us. And so there's a departure, and we see it all the time, right? People who were once in the church, and now they're gone. And they had a vibrant profession at one point. So this hits us home, where we're actually living. But then there's this other group, and this is, this is where I'm pastorally just wanting to just bring encouragement. There's this group that's got sort of the daisy-picking kind of vacillating thing going on where, you know, it's the little girl out in the field and she picks the daisy and she pulls the petals. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And it's this sort of thing where you're not really sure where you stand with God. You're like, he loves me today. I was at my quiet time was really good. It was going great. Everything was smooth. And then you have a crummy day. Oh, he hates me. The father is just, he's rejecting me. I'm alienated. I've got no life in me. And God does not want you to have that kind of relationship with him. He wants you to know that he's your father. If you really believe, if the life of God is in your soul, if the spirit of God is bearing witness with your spirit that you're a child of God, you should know. And when you have that doubt, there's help that we get from this very passage of scripture in 1 John chapter 5, that gives clarity and sobriety and help for Christians who are just struggling. And he just wants you to know that he loves you and he wants you to have a real assurance. He wants you to know you're the real deal. Could you imagine the early Christians, if they actually went out, right? If they actually went out and they're experiencing persecution, imminent death, all sorts of, you know, beatings for being Christians and they didn't really know if they were Christians? Like, oh, I'm going I'm to go out and share the gospel real bold. I don't even know if I'm saved. So I, I just want you all to know, like, God cares about whether or not you're in touch with the fact that you're his child. So let's look at chapter 5 and verse 10 and read it. And this is, this is God's inspired word to us. This is God's word to give us help and give us clarity on this issue. Because you may be in one of those camps right now, vacillating, maybe having a false assurance, or, or, or maybe thinking it's presumptuous. And I just want to take you to the word of God. Verse 10 of chapter 5. John writes, whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony in himself. And whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. 
Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And then here's our focal verse. This is the purpose he wrote the letter. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. That you may know you have eternal life. So we're, gonna, we're just going to make a couple observations of this passage, actually of that last verse, and, and, and look at it in different ways. Number one, we're going to see ultimately that assurance is something for true believers. Assurance is for true believers. Like this is something that he wants us to know. I write these things, John says. I'm writing this. I'm writing the whole letter to 1 John to encourage the church with a wave of truth that they might know as believers that they have eternal life. That this is not some far off pie in the sky, by and by religion that's never going to get there. But you could know now, today. He doesn't want you to, 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 to leave if you're a real believer to leave without rock-solid encouragement that you're in Christ, that all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus for you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never let you down. I'm an ever-present help in a time of need. I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. My sheep know me and they hear my voice and they follow that's what the shepherd says and the sheep hear and they hear and it penetrates the heart and they go, yes, I belong to him. Something real has happened. Assurance is for believers. Verse 13, I write these things to you who believe. It's right there, right? True faith begats real assurance. So those who believe are the same ones that he says that you may know. You have eternal life. And verse 10 reminds us, whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony in himself. What's this testimony? This is a testimony about Jesus Christ. This is the testimony that God bore witness about Jesus, that he lived a perfect life, that he died a sacrificial death on the cross for you, for your sins. He bore the wrath of God. He drank the cup of wrath down to the dregs for every last sin you ever committed. It was paid in full. He said, it is finished. Paid in full. So that you may know if you're a believing one, that you have eternal life. Whoever does not believe, verse 10, has made God a liar. Why? Because he's not believed the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is where? It's in the son. So you want to know where assurance is at? It's in the Son. So if you're trusting in the Son, if you have the Son, if Jesus is your blessed Savior, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. 
That's what happens when you've tasted and seen the Lord is good when you believe the gospel. That's the, the reality of true believers experiencing the true blessings of knowing God. And this testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in His Son. And whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son does not have life. If you've got the Son, you've got life. Do you have the Son? Do you have life? John wants you to be clear on that. The Holy Spirit wants you to be clear. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you vacillating between two things. Am I a believer or not a believer? He wants you to know. So in the Phillips household, Philip's children have Philip's privileges, right? So when you're in my house, the Philip's clan gets, you know, they get certain privileges of being under our roof, under our care, under our supervision, under our love. We love to give good gifts. Everything that it means to be a Philip's has been given to my children. They don't have to earn it. It's given. It's a gift given to them. It's part of the provision of being a Phillips. And in the same way, it's true about Jesus. You can't have assurance of living in the love, the care, the provision of Jesus unless you're united to Jesus in all that he is for you by faith. Are you united to Jesus by faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The word of the gospel, it breaks into our hearts and it makes us alive and we begin to experience the blessings of knowing. And it begins to produce this sort of rock solid reality. Just like my kids, they know they're my kids and they know they've got these blessings and there's no confusion about that. They're not, they're not like, uh, um, yeah, uh, am I a Phillips? If I were to say, do you guys know, like, do you know that I love you? Do you know that I care for you, that I provide for you, that, that I want your good? I could be like, yes, daddy. I, I mean, I know. Like, I'm not confused about that. If some other guy came into the house and went up to my kids and said, I'm your daddy now, it would be a little awkward, right? <laughs> so, so <laughs> it would be a little awkward. Why? Because they have assurance. They know who I am. They know who their daddy is. And, and God wants you to know God wants you to know that you're his and that he's your daddy and that because you have Christ, you have him. No one can have the father unless they have the son. That's what it says in, in John chapter 2. In verse 20, it says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. And whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Right there. This is God's word. This is God's word to us. If you have the Son, you have the Father. You have a relationship with God. And this assurance is just borne out in the gospel of John. 
chapter 1 and verse 12 says, but all to, who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Did you catch that? To all who received him, to, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So receiving is believing. And believing is receiving. If you don't believe, you don't receive. And if you don't receive, you're not believing. And that's just the clarity with which John is writing here. So observation number two, which leads right into this point. Assurance comes from believing in the name of Jesus. We're going to look at verse 13 one more time. I write these things to you who believe in what? In the name of the Son of God. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. This is a kind of faith that produces a real assurance because it's actually believing with a whole soul trust with all of your heart in the Son of God. That Jesus came, He's the heaven-sent Son who came to redeem a people to Himself. And we, don't, we ought not get bored of that. When, when I share the good news, it is just a life-giving joy. I feel joy welling up in my heart when I think about the Gospel, when I meditate on the Gospel, that I was undeserving, sold in my sin, lost without any hope, I mean, I was just living in sin. I thought pursuing, you know, sin, drugs, alcohol, pleasure, hedonism, everything I could to just fill the void in my soul. And it was empty, beating me down. And the gospel came in and it was like sweet music to my soul. Now, it was once strange. It was once like foreign to me. And maybe you're there now. You're like, this is just foreign music to me. And you need the Spirit of God to open your eyes to see these realities. And, and we're going to see in 1 John that there's particular things that we have to be about as we believe in who Jesus is. Because there are different Jesuses on the landscape. The Mormons come to your door and they're talking about a Jesus who was the spirit brother of Lucifer, who was not fully God and evolved to become God. You've got the Jehovah's Witnesses who say that Jesus is really the Archangel Michael. You've got the Muslims who say Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He's a prophet, sure, but he didn't die on the cross and he surely didn't rise from the dead. So you've got different Jesuses out there and we got to be about the real Jesus because only the real Jesus produces assurance in the souls of his people. So number one, assurance comes from believing Jesus is the divine Son of God sent from the Father. Look with me. 1 John, we're going to stay in 1 John. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9 and 10. In this, is, in this the love of God was manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, or sorry, not that 
we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to the, be the propitiation for our sins. Now, some of that might be hard for us, right, to get at. Propitiation sounds a little strange. But he's saying that Jesus was sent from the Father as the divine son of God into the world to be the savior by dying as a wrath-bearing substitute. That's what propitiation means. The absorbing of God's wrath that we're due for our sins on himself, on the cross. That's what Jesus did for us as the wrath-bearing substitute. I mean, he took it. He took the hit on himself. And look, it's out of love. In this is the love of God manifest among us. You want to know where the, 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 the center of God's love is focused on? You just run to the cross and you get help. You run to the cross of Christ where he was crucified. He shed his blood on the cross to give life to the world. All who will believe. And you want to taste that love? And we were created to know God. And we were created for that love. And there's only one way to get it. Running to the cross, kneeling down, embracing all that Jesus is for you as a Savior, dying on a cross, and rising up out of the grave. If you just drop down uh, a, a few verses to verse 14, it says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be what? The Savior of the world. That's the intent and the purpose and the joy of the Father to bring to us. And we've got to believe this. This can't just be words. This can't be flat, dead, anemic orthodoxy that we're just like robotic, like, yes, Jesus died on the cross. And, you know, it's like, no, this is the life-giving truth. This saved me. I'm out there telling the world about this great king who's real, who rescues sinners, who changes them from the inside out. And those who are waffling in assurance, they're arrested by this real Jesus who died on a cross to save real people and rescue them from the wrath that we all deserve. And you will have no hope apart from that truth. Assurance also comes by believing Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John and verse, or chapter 3 and verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. That's what the devil's about. He's about inciting sin. He's about destroying us through sin and bringing death into the world through sin. But check this out, the end of the verse. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's the kind of Savior you got. He goes to bat. He confronts the devil in his castle and he says, let my people go. And he dies on a cross to rescue them from the hell they deserve and snatches them from the strong man's hand, binds him up, binds up the devil with the reality of his cross work for you to rescue you and shatter the works of the devil, which are sin and death. And he does it by dying for you and rising up out of the grave, victorious, oh sweet realities of resurrection power in the believer. For you, if the Spirit's in you, 
you got that resurrection power in you, so you know that you can destroy the works of the evil one in your life because the Spirit is flowing through you. And you're fighting the good fight in that power, in that strength. And that's what Jesus does as you believe this. Are you struggling with guilt? Are you struggling with sin? Are you struggling with besetting stuff that you're just like, I'm just stumbling in the same way, the same way every time. If you get gripped by this, I would encourage you just read through 1 John and get help from it because you'll, you'll grow. You'll grow in a passion for holiness. You'll say with the Apostle John, if we say we have fellowship with God, but we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6. I mean, we realize that if we walk in the light, he is in the light. And we have fellowship with one another based on that. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Mm. That's the kind of, that's how you overcome sin in your life. By being in touch with this. Assurance comes also by trusting that eternal life resides in Christ alone. There is nowhere else we're going to get hope. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. So if you go for life in the stuff the world pro provides, I'm going to go for glamour. I'm going, to, I'm going to binge watch Netflix just so I can kind of feel normal about myself. No, the life is in the sun. It's okay to watch stuff and enjoy that. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, where are you going? Are you medicating with TV and, 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 and binge watching? Are you surfing the web for like five hours at a time because you don't really believe that there's life in the sun and he satisfies? That's where the life's at. Verse 11 of chapter 5. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And the life, this life, is in his son. And whoever has the Son has life. I mean, that's the life. That's the soul-satisfying life that Jesus brings. And this eternal life, Jesus described it in John chapter 17 when He was praying to the Father and when He was articulating what life, eternal life was. He said, I want them to know eternal life, which is knowing the Father and the Son relationship with God. You want assurance of salvation? Having a relationship with God through the Son. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father grants it. And He also said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except by me. So you want access to the Father? Come through the Son. And when Jesus is sweet to you, you'll have a sweet fellowship with the God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father planned your salvation, if you're a Christian, from all eternity. The Son accomplished your salvation on a cross. And the Spirit applies it into your life, if you're a believer, by opening your eyes and drawing you in to this reality so that you might believe. And then the Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. That's beautiful. And Jesus taught that there's only one way, and it's through Him. 
And if you're united to him by faith, you're like a vine or you're like a branch residing in the vine, trusting, believing, abiding. You're just, you're, the life of God is in you because you're connected to Jesus by faith. And you actually trust him with your life. Have you put your trust in Jesus for real? Have you trusted him with your life? This whole-souled, whole person, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Commit your life to him and turn from your formal way of living kind of trust. That's what he calls us to. And he promises in his gospel, um, John says, this is the purpose. This is why I wrote the gospel that these things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So you want life? You look to the Son with real faith. Hmm. This is powerful. It was brought home to me um, a long time ago. I was a brand new Christian, and you know, uh, I remember my pastor, he was like, telling me this story. You want to know what real faith is? A long time ago, uh, a young man asked a seasoned, you know, Christian who was mature in the faith. He's like, what, what is saving faith? Like, what does that look like? And so the man took this young man over to the well and he dunked him in the well and he held him down for like 30 seconds. And after that 29th second, lifts him up and the, the man's just, oh, he's just trying to suck in air like it means everything. His whole existence is about to end if he doesn't get air in his lungs. And that's the way we got to come to Jesus. We got to come to Jesus like your life depended on it because it does. Eternal life is in the Son. And believing on Him is coming to Him like you depend on oxygen to breathe. And you take that in. You got to take Jesus in by faith. And God knows if it's real and if it's false. God knows if we're actually committed in turning away from sin and trusting in Christ. And assurance comes as we believe and as we continue. So it's not this like thing where it's like, well, I believed way back then and I signed the card. And so that means I'm good, right? I can do whatever I want now. Now, this is continuing. That's the idea in 1 John uh, chapter 5 and verse 13. It says, I write these things to you who believe. And that word is continuing to believe. Let's like keep on believing. Don't stop believing. Christians keep believing. They started at one point trusting in Christ and they keep believing in Christ. Persevering to the end. And God helps us. Right? We learned that in Philippians chapter 1. You know, that God will complete the work He started in you. If it's something real, God will complete it. And you continue to believe. Last observation. Assurance is knowing with a certainty that you are saved. Verse 13, tail end. That you may know that you have eternal life. I mean... God does not want us confused. He wants us to know this is a fact in your life. He wants it to be concrete. 
He wants it to be clear. He wants it to be a mobilizing force in your life that you bank on. That as you walk around the world and you live the Christian life in everyday life, in the ebb and flow, in the seasons of trial, in the, the dangers that lurk, in the world that seems like it's flipped on its head, He wants you to know you're His and you've got His, 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 His blessing on your life. His smile over your life. His joy in your soul. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of the Savior. This is gospel reality breaking into our souls so that we're strong in the Lord. Living the Christian life in this experience of knowing God. Now, I remember when we had Isaiah or when Clarissa was pregnant with Isaiah, and we were reading all this literature on what it was like to have a baby and, and what the baby was going to be like in the parenting classes. And, and we, you know, I got like, you know, five or six books and, and we were thumbing through all those. And, you know, it's, it's all good and nice to know book knowledge about stuff and to get prepared. But it's a whole different thing when you're holding your baby in your arms for the first time and you're like, this is real. Like, this is real. It's an, experience, it's an experiential knowledge that's deeper, sweeter, more profound, and more like right there in your face. And that's the kind of knowledge and certainty and conviction that God wants you to have that you're his child. He doesn't want you to be floundering. He wants your heart. And he's going to bring you all the way home. And even in the dark nights of the soul, when you feel like God has left you, he hasn't left you. He'll lead you through the valley of darkness. He'll be with you so that you fear no evil for, for he's with you. He's the good shepherd. He'll lead you all the way home. That's the promise of this passage. Assurance is so that you know you have eternal life. And it's a life that you experience now, not later. Some of us are thinking of assurance like, that sure would be good one day. <laughs> when, one day, way, you know, it's kind of like people when they talk about doing something in life that's like on their bucket list. Assurance is not on your bucket list. Assurance of salvation is on your now list for the Christian life. Because you can't mobilize as a soldier for Christ or live as a witness of Christ if you're unsure you're His. If you don't know you're a Christian, you're not going to preach the gospel. I can guarantee you that. But God would have us know. Jesus said, I lay down my life for my friends. Friends know. The father said, I love you. And I sent my son into the world to rescue you so that you might know you have eternal life. What, I mean, what is John 3, 16? For God so loved the world the world of men and women that he gave his only son that whoever believes might inherit or have eternal life. So that you might have it. The intention there is that you might have it and have it now. And what kind of confidence does that produce in your heart as you're, as you're hearing this 
And as you're a believer and the Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit that you're a child of God, you're getting confidence right now. The Lord is witnessing to you right now that you're His child. If you're a believer, He's doing that so that you're encouraged and you're helped and you're given confidence to be a bold witness. And to actually share Jesus with people, even if it means taking risks or being uncomfortable and loving in ways that are powerful. This church that John was was writing this letter to was all twisted up because people were actually saying, you can live however you want. You believe the gospel that one time. And he's like, no. And they were saying, you know what? You don't have to really like love your Christians. Do you, do you love being around believers? You don't really have to love them. You just kind of, you know, if you grew up with them, you kind of like them. It's like, no, sacrificial love just starts flowing out of your life as you get a hold of this assurance and your heart gets gripped with it. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is eternal life. Knowing God through Christ. Now I want to close in thinking about false assurance. Just briefly, because Jesus warned about it. You, you've got the real deal, and you've got the false stuff. You've got real $20 bills, and you've got counterfeits. And you've got to know how to spot the counterfeit. And Jesus gave us instruction on the Sermon on the Mount. His best sermon he brings, and he says this as a warning at the very end for all the disciples to hear. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, as a pastor, that is a sobering word from Jesus that makes me shudder in my soul because it's very possible to be self-deceived about being a Christian and to think you're doing a lot of stuff for Jesus, but there's no real relationship with Jesus in your soul. What's inside is dead. And that's what Jesus wants to bring life to. He says to them, I don't know you. You're workers of lawlessness. And could it be written over your life? I never knew him. God would have you settle that today, that you would know Jesus, that you would taste the heavenly gift that you would taste salvation realities breaking into your soul, forgiving your sins, making you new. And if you're a believer, that your soul would soar with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came from heaven to earth to be the way and to show the way and to die to make a way possible for us to have a relationship with God. And we were meant for it. And our soul's not going to be right until we're right with God. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Blessed assurance. Franny Crosby, who wrote the hymn, Blessed Assurance, was a missionary. And a lot of people don't know, but she was born blind. 
So she couldn't see. She was blind. She never saw a sunset. She never saw what the pretty flowers looked like in the field. She never saw colors and things like that. Things you and I take for granted. But oh, could she see. Oh, could she see the realities of who Christ was. She could see him more clearly than some of us. She could see him in his sweetness because she saw him with the eyes of faith. Though she was blind physically, she actually could see. And that's how she could write this beautiful hymn to give us encouragement and to remind us that when we see Jesus for who he is and all he's done for us, we can sing blessed assurance Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Is that your story? Is this your story? Is he your savior? Do you know? If not, put your trust in Christ today. Don't let today go by without knowing the sweet assurance of forgiveness of sin, without knowing the rescue that Jesus came to provide, because it's a real assurance. It's real life. It's what you were made for. And you know it deep down that something's wrong and you need rescue. And so as I pray right now, I'm going to ask us to consider this, to be reminded of this, and to remember that God would have us know who we are in Christ and know the blessings. And this is for you and I. And if you don't know Christ, I pray that you would come to him, believe on him, and experience this blessed assurance. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the blessed assurance that we can have. And Lord, there, there are likely some here even today or listening online who know they're sinners before a holy God. They know they're guilty. They know that one day they're headed for judgment and they're not right with you and their souls are restless right now because they're not right with the one who made them. They've been living in all kinds of sin and rebellion, but they're being awakened today. They're being helped today to see that there's assurance that can come as they believe in Jesus, that they can be rescued by the gospel of Jesus Christ, believing and turning from the life of sin and believing that he is their king, that he can rescue them because he died on a cross and rose out of the grave. And if that's you, if that's where you're at, if that's where your heart is at and you know it and you know God's speaking to you and you know God is, is putting it on your heart and the Spirit is speaking to you, that you might believe. You pray, dear God, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe my sin is worthy of judgment. I know my soul is restless. But I confess my sins. I repent of them. And I put my trust in Jesus as my savior because he died for me and he rose from the dead come into my life make me new change me give me that blessed assurance and for those of us lord who just needed a word of hope 
that you would just be breathing hope and encouragement and joy and confidence and life into their souls and that there would be no confusion about the reality that they're your children. And I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. And I pray that your spirit would minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen.